When Ted Turner launched CNN in 1980, the world's first 24-hour news network, he did not invent media bias or fake news, but he did lay the groundwork for it to be streamed into our lives at a constant pace. These days, little more than a headline is needed to ruin our days, even though headlines are often misleading. We are quicker to share articles than we are to read them. We take commentary, opinion, and even wild speculation as news. And it's not all our fault because it's often presented as such, even over something as insignificant as a tuna sandwich. Today, we'll examine why we are struggling to trust the news media over important matters and how we can better our own news consumption habits. Are you ready? It's time to wake up. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open at them. Fresh and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. (laughs) I'm a nerd, and, uh... I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to the Back Row Morning Show, a part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, a father of three, including a newborn baby girl, a Green Lantern fan, and a Funko Pop collector. And I'm Mo, shorter, louder, smarter, and all around better than absolutely no one. I'm a wife, mom, elementary librarian, and seeker of truth, except when it comes to reality TV. The Back Row Morning Show covers a wide range of topics, and we usually take it in threes, three segments focusing on different aspects of a discussion. This week, we're talking about the news media, how we are too easily misled or misinformed, and how we can develop better habits in consuming the news so we don't go crazy. Before we jump into our discussion, remember that Sunday School Answers, the Nerd Deck, is now available at BackRowGames.com. It's a double expansion to the core game with 20 new dilemmas and 85 new answers, most of which were written by members of the Love Thy Nerd community. That's right. If you're a gamer, tabletop player, comic book lover, Hoovy and Jedi, Otaku, or a Greek of geek, a geek <laughs> of any other inclination. Or a Greek. <laughs> the nerd deck is for you. You can pick up Sunday School <laughs> Answers, the nerd deck, and all of our expansions at backrogames.com. We have the meme deck, the superhero deck, the food deck, and over a year's worth of expansions planned out already. Our next expansion comes out this month, and we will be announcing it soon. So we have talked uh, about this a couple times in the past, but today we're going to do a deep dive on the media hit piece against Subway. Earlier, going very deeper? Very deeper. Earlier this year, we told you about a lawsuit a couple people were bringing against Subway, claiming that there was no tuna in the tuna sandwiches. But instead, it was claiming that it was a, quote, mixture of various concoctions that are meant to simulate the appearance of tuna. <laughs> The attorney representing them also claimed further that the ingredients weren't even fish at all. Uh, And we later explained our thoughts that that tuna is so cheap already, as it is, that uh, it would likely cost more money to concoct a fake. Uh, And if they managed to create a fake yet edible tuna that was cheaper than tuna, they would be selling that formula and making straight bank especially if it were made of like soy or plant proteins, because there's a lot of people who like the taste of tuna fish that also don't want to eat meat or fish. 
fish is kind of like a, sometimes you don't, some, some vegetarians eat fish, which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird for me. Well, that's another topic. <laughs> Pescatarians, I guess is what they're called. Like they only eat fish when it comes to meat. No, I'm pretty sure. So a vegetarian eats fish. A vegetarian will eat fish. Someone who's vegan typically does not eat fish. And I'm pretty sure a pescatarian does not eat any meat, including fish. No, I think that's... I know. That's, I think you have those backwards. Mm-mm. I think it's pescatarian is a vegetarian, except they eat fish. Vegetarian just doesn't eat meat. And a vegan does not eat meat or any products that are created using animals, such as milk... Uh, cheese, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Pescatarianism refers to a diet that includes fish and fish products, vegetables, legumes, and sometimes dairy, while excluding meat and poultry. Pescatarianism... Yeah. Uh, hold on. So I was right. You were right there. Got it. I'm looking up vegetarianism. Oh, that's bohemian. Bohemian Rhapsody. Vegetarianism. <laughs> Uh, the theory or practice of living solely upon vegetables, fruits, grains, legumes, and nuts with or without the addition of milk products and eggs, generally for ethical reasons, ethical yeah, and environmental. When, I think that's when it jumps to vegan. Vegan. Like all vegans are vegetarians, but not all vegetarians are vegans. Uh, abstaining veganism. Oh, veganism is the practice of abstaining from the use of animal products. Oh, okay. So particularly with your diet, but also anything like body wash, oh, lotion. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The vegan will take it all the way. Right. All the way. Right. However, I know some vegetarians who eat fish. Well, they just don't know that they're pescatarian. Apparently. <laughs> anyway, okay. as we were talking Off about. Off topic. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, again, it seems far-fetched that Subway would be making a fake tuna because tuna is very cheap. It's pretty much one of the cheapest proteins you can buy. Uh, but another thing that made this lawsuit fishy <laughs> <laughs> was that there was no lab report made available, and they couldn't even name the lab. Just just a lot of holes in the story. Hmm. This was made more apparent when the plaintiffs, plaintiffs shifted their argument away from it being whether or not it was actually tuna or fish at all to simply targeting Subway's marketing and advertising claims that its tuna is 100% sustainably caught. So now it moved from this isn't tuna or nothing to, okay, it's tuna, but it's not 100% sustainably caught. Mm. So it is tuna now, right? That's what this is saying? Just a couple weeks later, however, Julia Carmel of the New York Times published an article originally titled, What's in this tuna sandwich? Which, though it is an ambiguous question, there is an implication that the question isn't actually asking, is this tuna or not, but instead asking, since it's not tuna, what is it? Now, later on, the online version was retitled The Big Tuna Sandwich Mystery, which is slightly better. Uh, now, we talked about this, too, very briefly, because we didn't want to buy the article <laughs> when it first came out. Uh, we had heard the premise being repeated all over the internet. The New York Times uncovers zero tuna DNA in Subway's tuna. Mo and I didn't need to read the article to know the problem with this. What was our conclusion, Mo? Exactly what we just said, though, or what you said. Hmm. That tuna is the cheapest 
Well, that, but also about like the tuna DNA. Like they couldn't find tuna DNA because... Oh, because once something is cooked, processed, it changes the DNA. Right. The DNA Uh, basically breaks down. I totally forgot. Good (laughs) good job. I'm glad you got it there, though. Pointing me in the right direction. (laughs) But... Do you think that stopped anybody from spreading the story around? Of course not. So today, we are going to read the article and pick it apart. Again, this is The Big Tuna Sandwich Mystery by Julia Carmel, as read by Megan Mo Oaks. There's a word in there I don't know how to pronounce. Canned? Ingredient? Oh, bereft. Okay. Uh, Canned tuna is high in protein, low in fat, and by far the most popular shelf-stable seafood in the United States. It can also be mysterious, questionable, and scandalous. Scandalous. As the Washington Post reported in late January, Subway, the world's largest sandwich chain, is currently facing a class-action lawsuit in the state of California that claims its tuna sandwiches are completely bereft of tuna as an ingredient. Did I say that right? You did. (laughs) After the news broke, the joke swiftly followed. Jessica Simpson, who famously didn't know whether chicken of the sea was chicken or tuna back in 2003, tweeted, It's okay at Subway. It is confusing. (laughs) Jimmy Johns, a competitor, started sending email blasts with subjects like, Tuna sandwiches should be used... Should you use clap with it. real tuna. <laughs> this is clapping. Okay, ready? Tuna, tuna sandwiches should use real tuna. There you go. <laughs> Subway, for its part, has categorically denied the allegations. There simply is no truth to, to the allegations in that complaint that was filed in California. A spokeswoman wrote in an email to the New York Times, Subway delivers 100% cooked tuna to its restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used in freshly made sandwiches, wraps, and salads that are served to and enjoyed by our guests. From a reporter's perspective, however, the case bore further investigation, a deep dive, if you will. <laughs> so I procured... jokes. More than 60 inches worth of Subway tuna sandwiches. I removed and froze the tuna meat, then shipped it across the country in a commercial food testing lab. I spent weeks... To a a commercial food testing lab. I spent weeks chatting with tuna experts. I waited and waited until the lab results came back. So we're going to skip a short portion here in the article that padded the article with the entire history of tuna consumption in the United States that had nothing to do with Subway itself or this article. It's just history of tuna. Gotta pad that Wall Street Journal story to justify the dollar you gotta spend to read it. (laughs) Subway has nearly 40,000 locations worldwide, about half of them in the U.S., as Grub Street once calculated. The average distance between subways in Manhattan is 1,154 feet, or about four and a half blocks. The total number of locations has been in decline since 2015, a trend that New York Times investigation attributed, in part, to targeted and manipulated inspections. Still, subway storefronts are... What's that word? Uh, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. And according to the company, its tuna sandwiches are some of the best selling. Subway's tuna sandwiches rank among our guests' favorite sandwiches, the chain spoke- spokeswoman wrote in an email. But it's safe to say that Karen, oh, jeez Louise, <laughs> Karen Donawa and Nilima. Nilima. 
Amen. The plaintiffs in the lawsuit do not love Subway's tuna, which they believe is anything but tuna, quote unquote. According to their filing from January, Miss Donawa and Miss what did we say? Amens. Amens. Legal team declined to comment on the case for this article. What exactly the plaintiffs believed the sandwiches contained, they wouldn't say. But in their filing form, in their filing from <laughs> January, they allege that Subway has deliberately misled customers by selling products falsely advertised as tuna in order to charge a premium price. Which is <laughs> just, just silly. <laughs> Subway's spokeswoman, when asked about the progress of the case, reiterated the statement shared when the original complaint was filed. The taste and quality of our tuna make it one of Subway's most popular products, and these baseless accusations threaten to damage our franchise, she wrote in an email. Given the facts, the lawsuit constitutes a reckless and improper attack on Subway's brand and goodwill, she added. With all of that in mind, I began searching for a commercial lab that could test a sample of Subway's product. A handful of them politely declined my inquiries, inquiries, citing technical limitations and company policies that made my tuna ineligible for analysis. Eventually, I found myself on the phone with a spokeswoman for a lab that specializes in fish fish testing. He agreed... He agreed to test the tuna, but asked that the lab not be named in this article, as he did not want to jeopardize any opportunities to work directly with America's largest sandwich chain. For about $500, his lab could conduct a PCR test, which rapidly makes millions or billions of copies of specific DNA sample, and try to tell me whether the substance included one of five different tuna species. Oh, okay, take a breath for uh-huh, a second. Yeah. It's a long article, guys. So, already we see a problem. The same kind of problem we had with the first one. The lab refuses to be named. Mm-hmm. One of the same red flags of the original lawsuit. And you will also see they declined to release the lab report as well. Mm. According to the seafood list, which is compiled by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, there are 15 species of nomadic saltwater fish that can be labeled tuna. Subway's tuna and seafood sourcing statement says the chain only sells skipjack and yellowfin tuna, species that a lab would recognize as Katsuanus pelamis and T. albacaris. Good job. Before it lands on a Subway sandwich, that tuna, like the majority of commercially sold tuna, is caught by fishermen working in exclusive economic zones. EEZs are areas that extend roughly 200 nautical miles from each country's coast. The U.S., with over 13,000 miles of coastline, controls the largest EEZ in the world. I'm just going to cut you off right here. (laughs) I should have taken this out already, because is this a school report? We are more than halfway through this article and are barely learning anything regarding the actual results. We're going to skip all that and another set of paragraphs that goes on to explain how tuna are caught and canned because that doesn't have anything to do with the actual subject at hand. So pick up after there. <laughs> I was told. There? Yeah, right there. I was told that if I packed a Ziploc of Subway tuna into a styrofoam shipping cooler with a few ice packs and mailed it across the country, the lab could test it. To procure, procure the sandwich specimens, 
I visited three different subway locations around Los Angeles. It seemed logical to order only tuna on the sandwiches. No extra vegetables, cheese, or dressing, as the lab was already weary about the challenges of identifying a fish that's been cooked at least once, mixed with mayo, frozen, and shipped across the country. My first frozen tuna shipment, which cost upward of $150, was lost in transit. But on second try, the sample arrived intact. In two to three weeks, the lab would tell me whether it contained any tuna. So you'd think that this would be a part of the article where we get the results, but instead the article is paused for a 10-paragraph section where she interviews not a Subway executive, not a tuna supplier from Subway, not a scientist, but a single manager of a single Subway store named Sage and a former quote-unquote sandwich artist named Jen. It offered no real insight other than to reiterate our original thought when Jen said, I dealt with the tuna all the time. The ingredients are right on the package and the tuna in tuna is relatively cheap meat. There would be no point to making replacement tuna to make it cheaper. Let's pick up with the actual information this article had promised. Now that we are three fourths of the way through this article. Finally, after more than a month of waiting, the lab results arrived. No amplifiable tuna DNA was present in the sample, and so we obtained no amplification products from the DNA, the email read. Therefore, we cannot identify the species. The spokesman from the lab offered a bit of analysis. There's two conclusions, he said. One, it's so heavily processed that whatever we could pull out, we couldn't make an identification. Or we got some, and there's just nothing there that's tuna. Subway declined to comment on lab results. To be fair, when Inside Edition sent samples from three Subway locations in Queens out for testing earlier this year, the lab found that the specimens were indeed tuna. Even the plaintiffs have softened their original claims. In a new filing from June, their complaints centered not on whether Subway's tuna was tuna at all, but whether it was 100% sustainably caught skipjack and yellowfin tuna. With all testing, there are major caveats to consider. Once tuna has been cooked, its DNA becomes Denatured. Denatured, <laughs> meaning that the fish's characteristic properties have likely been destroyed, making it difficult, if not impossible, to identify. All of the people I spoke with also questioned why Subway would swap out its tuna. I don't think a sandwich place would intentionally mislabel, Mr. Rudy from Catalina Offshore Products said. They're buying a can of tuna that says tuna. If there's any fraud in this case, it happened at the cannery. Now, there's a little bit more to this article where it continues to discuss how, if it's not tuna, here's why Subway or the suppliers would decide to concoct fake tuna. It ends the article very heavily implication with a very heavy implication that it's very possible there is no tuna in the tuna. This article is 2,535 words long. We skipped about a third of it that was just pure filler. We skipped several chunks, actually, just completely irrelevant to the topic at hand. You want to know how many words it took for them to tell us that it's possible that there was no tuna DNA found because it's cooked and processed? It wasn't until word number 2072 wow. that that information starts to become relevant. You had to read 2072 words of backstory, old information, subway store history, tuna catching and canning procedures, interviews with former extremely low-level employees, and a bunch of other boring mumbo-jumbo first. 
ask yourself this question. If Mo wasn't reading the article to you, would you have read it yourself to get to the conclusion? The data suggests you won't. In fact, Food Theory reports that 59% of links shared on Twitter are shared without having to be clicked on first, meaning the sharer didn't read the article, only the headline. And so, you are left with the headlines. And news sites know how to make a punchy headline. And while both versions of the original New York Times headline were at least kind of balanced in the question, the headlines from other news sources all around the internet were not as fair. Headlines like, is Subway selling real tuna or is it fake? Test finds no tuna DNA. And lab tests reportedly find no identifiable tuna DNA in Subway sandwich again. And of course, these articles are usually around 500 words long in comparison. So while New York Times may have been a little bit more fair at least listing some of the problems with the study, it's unlikely these shortened articles about the New York Times study will do the same. But as Mo and I have said twice before now on previous shows, meat proteins lose their DNA markers when cooked. But let's be a bit more specific. Baralon's Institute for Nanotechnology and Advanced Materials published in 2015 that under dry conditions, complete DNA degradation occurs at above 190 degrees Celsius. That's 374 degrees Fahrenheit for complete DNA degradation. And partial degradation can start happening well below that. And this article does say this, but again, way, 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 way below the headline. Another issue is that the lab only tested five kinds of tuna. They only tested four, rather, five kinds of tuna, when there are 15 different kinds of fish considered tuna in America. Now, the article mentioned Inside Edition, who did their own study a while back, and they actually got good results. Could it be because their lab, which was named and everything in their study, tested for all 15? So even though we might say that the New York Times was at least mostly fair in the data it actually shared, do you think that this long, drawn-out article is actually fair to Subway? No, not at all. <laughs> not even slightly. It's, it's the way media tends to go. And uh, especially, like, you know, we're, we're complaining about how long this article is. This article did not need to be this long. Even the portions that we did read could have been half as long mm -hmm. and given you the same amount of information. But it should have started with all the caveats way at the beginning of this is not a reliable kind of test. That this test essentially shouldn't have been done because it's not going to give us any real answers. There were several laboratories that refused to do this because they said it's not eligible for this kind of test. <laughs> and it's for this exact reason. When you cook something and then process it, it's even mixed with mayo before you ever buy it. It's not going to have the DNA in it. It's going to be broken down. Of course, you're not going to find what you're looking for at this point. If you really want to do a test like this, you have to get the tuna before it is cooked and before it is mixed with mayonnaise and frozen and sent to stores all around the world. You got to get to that point first. So any test done after that point, any test where you just walk into Subway and ask for a scoop and then you mail it across the globe is going to come back with results that are not reliable. Mm -hmm. But this is the way that uh, the media works. 
And the media did just that. They took that New York Times article, took the most sensationalized parts of that article, and bundled it into nice little 500-word packages with flashier headlines and spent it all over the internet, all around the world, that basically painted tuna's fish, I'm sorry, Subway's tuna fish as uh, fake, as not real, as not tuna, giving you the fear. What have I been eating this whole time? I'm never going to go to Subway again. And that's why Subway is having to do this whole new branding campaign that you might have seen rolling out right now, where they're like re... Uh, changing the way they do everything with all their food and it's fresher and better and stronger than ever even though they've done nothing wrong mm -hmm. they've done nothing but be be uh, accused of doing something wrong by people that are clearly just trying to get some sort of weird payout and people are running with it just because it's sensationalism Mm -hmm. In the end, we see that media media do what the media do best, and that's what they're known for these days, sensationalism with just enough truth to remain credible in most people's eyes. This was a simple example about something that in the long run isn't very important. But unfortunately, the media at large have been failing, or failing, well, failing, yeah, but falling into a pattern of misleading us, sometimes even purposefully lying to us for so long that it has become a pandemic in its own right. This week, we're going to be talking about why people are struggling to trust media right now in regards to the pandemic and several other things going on in our culture right now. But for this story, the tuna is mostly legit. Eat it or don't, but stop sharing news stories you haven't read. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around. This week in Nerdy News, this is LTNN. Microsoft is working on a new mode for their Edge browser that makes it super duper secure. In fact, that's even what they named it, super duper secure mode. It's still in the experimental stage, but it is hopeful that it'll make it harder for attackers to attempt to exploit bugs in the browser. It would accomplish this by turning off certain optimizations, such as Edge's JavaScript engine that's meant to make a website's code run faster. So while it may mean a slower surfing speed, there's less chance you'll be knocked off by a rough wave, or get kidnapped by pirates. Paramount Plus is pulling out all the stops to hit their goal of 65 to 75 million streaming subscribers by 2024. In the latest update of exclusive content, they have struck a deal with Trey Parker and Matt Stone to extend South Park into season 30 and to create a staggering 14 movies, all of which are set to premiere exclusively on the streaming service. This includes two movies coming out in the next four months. And speaking of Paramount Plus pulling out all the stops, as if five Star Trek series in production at one time weren't enough, it appears they are already working on a sixth series. According to the New York Times, this new show will be centered around Starfleet Academy, made with a younger audience in mind. As to what time period it'll be set in, that's still unknown. But with a sixth series on the way, it makes even the most hardcore Trekkie ask the question, is there such a thing as too much Star Trek? The answer might be yes. Getting a little trekked out over here. I'm already having a hard time keeping up with the three series that we have. We're gonna be adding three more? What, should I quit my job? 
That was This Week in Nerdy News. I'm Radio Matt, and this is LTNN. Hi, everyone. I'm John Brady, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. The jungle is thick, and the journey hasn't been without its perils. Your tiny crew punches through the undergrowth with machetes and the will to discover the unknown. A foreboding archway carved with runes and glyphs warns you to stay away, but you continue on to a rugged stone shelf that juts out over a large complex of vine-covered buildings. In the distance, the silhouette of a monstrous temple looms in front of the setting sun. You have the feeling that the temple isn't the only monstrous thing you'll encounter here. Turning to your team, you direct them to set up camp. Tomorrow's a big day. Lost Ruins of Arnak is a deck-building, worker-placement tabletop game for one to four players. Set aside 30 minutes per player during this game intended for participants 12 years and up. Explore the sites surrounding the Lost Temple of Arnak, collecting the idols, resources, and abilities you find there. But beware, powerful guardians will hinder the explorer who dares to enter. Defeat them to gain awesome advantages. Retreat only if you must, taking a fear card into your deck and thus muddying up your chances of drawing your better cards. Use coins to buy tool cards which are free to play. Use compasses to purchase overpowered artifacts which require an activation cost after their initial play. Trim your deck down to become an efficient engine. Research your way up the temple track to get even more benefits and reach the temple chamber where giant tablets and tons of points await discovery. At game end, tally up your points from your temple research, defeated guardians, idols, and all cards you have purchased. Lose points for any fear cards you still have. Lost Ruins of Arnak is a competition to see who can squeeze out the most lucrative turns for the longest time. It is serious fun, and those who are willing to take great risk may find great reward along the way. I give the tabletop game Lost Ruins of Arnak a 9.5 out of 10. I'm John Brady, and remember, fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And every week, these three main segments get spread out across three daily morning shows on LTN Radio, and they include a lot more content, including weird news, random facts, games, challenges, rants, discord arguments, junk food, and more. And you can be a part of all that by following us on Twitch at twitch.tv tv slash ltn on air so you'll be notified when we go live you can even be a part of the show and make sure you catch our full morning shows every monday through thursday on ltnonair.com at 8 a.m eastern with an encore at 10. So we started by sharing a news story about Subway's tuna to use as an example as how the media currently reports stories and why they come off as untrustworthy. Now we're going to take it a whole lot further and examine the last five years of news that has been misleading at best, flat out lies at worst. 
we're going to go through a tweet thread by Konstantin Kassin, a Russian-British comedian, uh, podcaster, writer, social commentator. Now, while this is sparked by asking the question, why are people hesitant to get the vaccine? It covers a wide range of topics, all put in one thread. So uh, just allow me to go through this, and we might stop at certain points and discuss it, but here we go. <clears throat> Begins, you're struggling to understand why some people are vaccine hesitant. Here's the let me help you mega thread. Imagine you're a normal person. The year is 2016. Rightly or wrongly, you believe most of what you see in the media. You believe polls are broadly reflective of public opinion. You believe doctors and scientists are trustworthy and independent. You are a decent, reasonable person who follows the rules and trusts authority. Imagine your shock then when Brexit, which you were assured won't happen because it's a fringe movement led by racist for racist, happens. The polls, which widely predicted it wouldn't happen, were completely wrong. The experts and media pundits who told you it wouldn't happen day after day are also wrong. Oh well, you say, these things happen. Imagine that soon after Donald Trump is running for president. You were told by your favorite media publications that he's going to lose. Some experts say his opponent has a 99% chance of winning. Imagine waking up on the morning after the election to discover that pollsters, media experts, and politicians you still trusted were wrong again. And now, this racist monster they told you would never get near the White House is the leader of the free world. How did this happen, you ask yourself? How could all the people in charge of informing me be so wrong? It was the Russians, they tell you. The Russians did Brexit, and they got Trump elected too. Imagine for the next 3.5 years you watch as the media and the pol political class run with the Russian collusion narrative. They tell you the how, the when, and the where, the dossiers, the whistleblowers, the peeing prostitutes. Imagine your desperation for things to make sense again. The Mueller report is coming, and it will set your world straight. Evidence of foreign meddling in the 2016 election and Brexit is coming to save your unsettled mind. Imagine your shock then when you discover that Brexit and Trump had little to do with foreign meddling at all. The screaming about Russians and Brexit dies down as well. Imagine that bit by bit you discover that events which the media and political class told you would not and could not happen, not only happened, but happened without some sort of evil interference. Instead, millions of your fellow citizens voted for them. Again, you ask, how could this happen? And again, the media has an answer. Racism. Your country is racist, they tell you. If you're white, this seems strange to you. Other than a handful of idiots, you've never really met a racist. If you're an ethnic minority immigrant, like me, which is not me reading it, but the person who wrote this, this seems even stranger. Why would people in one of the most welcoming, tolerant countries in the world want to convince themselves that their country is racist when it seems to be so obviously not? But the evidence is right there on your TV screen. Imagine your horror as a homosexual black actor is assaulted by MAGA hat-wearing thugs who racially abuse him and put a noose around his neck. He cries while talking about it on the ABC News exclusive. Imagine your outrage as you see news reports of a bunch of MAGA hat-wearing kids from a religious school contemptuously confronting a Native American elder. Reza Aslan tells you that the kid had a punchable face and while you abhor violence, it's hard to disagree. Imagine that for days you watch coverage of these events with expert after expert, pundit after pundit, sharing and fueling your outrage about them. 
with every word, your belief that you were a good person and that your country is a good country wavers. Imagine that soon after, however, the Jesse Smollett story turns out to be an attention-seeking hoax. Imagine that you quickly discover that the Native American elder was the one who confronted the kids and not the other way around. If this is such a racist country, you ask yourself, why would they need to make up stories of racism? And as you ponder this, you remember that for years now, you've been expected to go along with other make-believe. You're expected to believe that whether you're male or female is not as simple as you once thought. Whether you learned about biology, whatever you learned about biology at school is wrong. You no longer know how many genders there are, and it seems dangerous to try to find out. Imagine reading that the experts at the American Psychological Association say that traditional masculinity is pathological and harmful. Imagine that you still want to believe the media and their experts, but now that requires you to think your country is racist, men are bad, and gender is a social construct, whatever that means. And it's at this point that a pandemic emerges on the other side of the world. You were initially unconcerned, but as scenes emerge from Italy and other countries, it's clear that something big is happening. You watch nervously as politicians give press conference after press conference, flanked by experts to explain the situation. The racist Donald Trump shuts down travel from China. In response, the mayor of Florence advises citizens to fight racism by hugging a Chinese person. Shortly after, Nancy Pelosi, a respected Democrat, visits Chinatown in San Francisco to explain there's no reason tourists or locals should be staying away from this area because of coronavirus concerns. Thank God there are some sensible non-racist people who aren't overreacting, you say to yourself. Imagine watching as Trump doubles down on his racism by claiming the virus may have come from a lab in Wuhan. Nonsense, you think to yourself, as you wonder how best to protect yourself and your family from this deadly disease. You consider getting masks. You've seen visitors from Asian countries wear them. But the UK's chief medical officer tells you not to wear a mask or wash your hands instead and wash your hands instead. As lockdowns are introduced around the world, you diligently follow all the rules. You stay home, only go out once, and live off savings or government grants. You're proud to be doing your part. Thanks to you and millions of your fellow citizens, the first wave of the pandemic does not overwhelm the healthcare system. And while thousands do sadly die, you've helped protect the national healthcare system. Imagine your confusion as the same people who have spent three months telling you masks don't work and you shouldn't wear them, introduce mask mandates, where we are following the science, they tell you. And this makes little sense, but a pandemic is no time for questions. As you cautiously go to the supermarket, you notice that masks have made people far less likely to social distance. You remember reading somewhere that bicycle helmets work similarly. They give the wearer more confidence, and the result is more accidents and injuries, not fewer. Silly people, you say to yourself, if only they would follow government advice. You turn on your TV to learn that shoppers at your local supermarket aren't the only ones who have been ignoring the rules. Neil Ferguson, the man who, whose projections were used as the basis for lockdowns, appears to have broken his own rules to get some actions with his married lover. Boris Johnson's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, drove halfway across the country to ensure that he had a better place to isolate. The journalists who berate him for this are later found to have attended a birthday party in breach of the rules. The lockdown continues, however, a man is killed in Minneapolis while being arrested for a petty crime. The man is black and the officer is white. The arrest is captured on video and quickly goes viral around the world. 
Imagine your horror as you watch an officer of the law kneel on another man's neck until he passes out and later dies. This is disgusting, you say to yourself. I hope they throw the book at him. And overnight, a huge campaign for racial justice springs up around the world. No one really explains what racism had to do with the incident in, uh, uh, itself, but they don't need to. Because you know by now the West is racist, and therefore any time a white person does anything bad to a black person, there can only be one explanation. While the lockdowns remain in place, the protest against injustice spills out into the streets. Tens of thousands of people crowd into major cities. Few wear masks and social distancing is non-existence. Clashes with police ensue, and in America, uh, protesters loot stores, attack residents, and start fires. A retired black police officer named David Dorn is among dozens of people who are murdered in the chaos. The media describe these events as mostly peaceful protests, as their reporters stand in front of burning buildings. After months of harsh restrictions, the media and political class offer no criticism of protest, which violate every element of the current lockdown. After months of telling you to stay home to avoid spreading COVID, doctors explain that rather than being a mass COVID spreading event, protest is a profound public health intervention. Big tech companies go into overdrive to stop the spread of disinformation. All discussions of alternate points of view regarding the efficacy of masks and lockdowns, as well as the origins of the virus, are censored. Attempts to discuss the negative impact of lockdown on health and mental well-being are suppressed. As the year runs on, with a pivotal American election looming, President Trump promises a huge push to develop a vaccine. Kamala Harris, who was later elected vice president, says that she would not take the vaccine if Trump told her to. On the eve of the election, a publication in America releases a damaging report about Hunter Biden, son of presidential candidate Joe Biden. The story alleges corruption, which his father may be involved in, as well as drug taking and use of prostitutes and more. Twitter and other social media companies prevent the story from being shared. The media lines up commentators to claim the story is Russian disinformation. Once his father wins the election, it becomes clear that several key elements of the story are likely accurate, and the laptop from which the information was recovered is, in fact, Hunter Biden's laptop. Meanwhile, the number of COVID patients and deaths turned out to be wrong. From, for some time, anyone who died at any point after a positive COVID test was counted as dying of COVID, even if they were killed by a drunk driver. The figure is later revised again. The number of people who are in the hospital because of COVID also turns out to be incorrect because it counts people who caught COVID while in the hospital as people who were brought there because of COVID. Now the racist Donald Trump is no longer president. Closing borders is no longer considered xenophobic and is widely advocated for in the media. The racist conspiracy theory that the virus came from a lab is now also allowed to be discussed and appears likely to be the most credible explanation of the origins of the virus. Imagine your horror as you learn that the reason thousands of people died in the first wave of the pandemic was that elderly patients with COVID were allowed to be released back into care homes. This is especially true in the UK and in New York, run by Governor Andrew Cuomo, brother of CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. Governor Cuomo's publisher suspends promotion of his book about leadership during the pandemic among the inquiry into nursing home deaths. Meanwhile, Texas and Florida, which remained open, continued to thrive. In the UK, the health secretary, the person responsible for saving lives, is found to be cheating on his wife with a married aide in breach of social distancing rules. The man making the rules for you does not follow them. It is at this point that the vaccine, which you were initially told would need to be given to, be, uh, to the vulnerable before restrictions are lifted, becomes the main drive of government policy in media commentary. 
the same people who told you Brexit would never happen, Trump would never win, that when he did win, it was because of Russian collusion, that because of then because of racism, that you must follow lockdowns while they don't, that masks don't work, and then they do work, that protests during lockdowns are a health intervention, that ransacking sacking black communities in the name of fighting racism are mostly peaceful, that Jussie Smollett was a victim of a hate crime, that men are toxic, that there is an infinite number of genders, that COVID didn't come from, the, from a lab, and then it probably did, that closing borders is racist, and then it's the most important thing to do, that the Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation, and then that it's not, and then the world... Uh, and then they would not take Trump's vaccine, and then you must take the vaccine. That Governor Cuomo is a great COVID leader and that he is a granny killer. The number of COVID deaths is one thing and then another, that hospitals are filled with COVID patients, and then that many of them caught COVID in the hospital. These same people are now telling you that the vaccine is safe, that you must take it, and if you don't, you will be a second-class citizen. Understand vaccine hesitancy now? There's a lot to unpack in that. All of this was, again, written by Konstantin Kassin, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, One long thread explaining basically his thoughts on why we struggle to trust the media and journalism. Mm -hmm. What are your initial thoughts? Um, Several. (laughs) Um, One when you see it all laid out like that, it's incredibly disheartening Mm -hmm. and discouraging. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Well, I'll let you catch it for a second. Uh, So this was actually written for the perspective of someone who lives in the UK. Uh, So some of these people and names and things you've heard, you might not have been completely aware of. Mm-hmm. But he mentioned like a lot of officials who were caught breaking those same rules. Well, that happened a lot over here too. It happened to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, who is a, uh, a, a hardcore proponent of masks and has been this entire time, was caught at a salon, uh, a private salon, during a time when lockdowns were happening and no one could go get haircuts or anything. She was caught going to a salon, not wearing a mask as she's walking around and getting her hair blown out and all this kind of thing. And when uh, she was questioned about it, she got away with calling it a hit piece on her. Like she was the victim here. Mm -hmm. She got away with that. And people just went along with that. And it was more than just Kamala Harris who said that they would not take the vaccine under Trump. Well, guess what? The vaccines that you're taking right now are the ones that were developed under Trump through his Project Lightspeed thing. It was all it was all designed to create an outcome, to create a thought. The uh, COVID nursing home thing with Andrew Cuomo. That that just started coming out after the election, but anybody who had like been listening to conservative news sources knew about it as it was happening. Mm-hmm. It was on the books. It was written down and publicly available that that was the the procedure that if an elderly patient was at the hospital tested positive for covid the procedure was they would go back to the nursing home with the idea that they would be like separated into another area but they still knew that covid was so easily spread that that couldn't have done much to help 
keep it from spreading, and indeed it did not. But that still remained the procedure for months, resulting in more nursing home deaths in New York than anywhere else. That's why the number was so high in New York. I don't remember the percentage, but it's a ridiculously high percentage were nursing home deaths. And we people knew about this long before the election, months before the election. But the media did not choose to report on it until after Joe Biden won the White House. Mm-hmm. The Hunter Biden story. Ridiculous. Had it been flopped around and that had been Donald Trump's son, we would have heard about it nonstop. Twitter suspended the New York Post, which I think uh, Alexander Hamilton started. (laughs) Like it's one of the oldest publications in America. Suspended the New York Post from being able to share that story, deleted tweets where that link was shared all across his platform, not allowing that story to be brought forth. All news agencies ignored it, claimed it was Russian disinformation, which, again, it's already been proven. Russia has very little to do with any of our elections, despite what you've heard for the last five years. And it was only after the fact, again, after the election, that they were like, say, okay, yeah, this is probably true. And they hovered on it for all of 10 minutes and then went about their business. I mean, it's it's to the point where it's getting so blatantly obvious that they're choosing sides and choosing to bend the news around those sides, whatever agenda that they have. And I'm not saying it's just like, you know, left leaning publications, the right do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. But some of the most egregious ones have happened in the last five years on the left because it's about building this narrative that everything that Donald Trump or anybody that supports his side does is so dangerous to the country, we can't let it go on. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump says that there are fine people on both sides. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. Which has still to this day been presented as fact, that Donald Trump said that there are fine people on both sides, and what he meant was there are fine people in the neo-Nazi side of that Charlottesville thing. When all you had to do was play 20 more seconds of that interview, and he says very clearly, and I'm not talking about the Nazis or the KKK or the neo-Nazis who should be condemned totally. He made that 100% clear, and yet the media refuses to play that whole clip, only plays that half of the clip, and presents it as fact throughout his entire presidential election run-up that last couple years. And every time he's being interviewed since then, he is asked to denounce the KKK, denounce neo-Nazis, denounce the far-right crazies. Why do you think they're asking him that every single time? To put it in your brain that he doesn't want to. I mean, it was nuts. Mm -hmm. But the biggest one came out just recently where the uh, not the bee the opposite of the Babylon Bee, the ones that present real news stories that seem so crazy that how could they be true, 
compared the headlines between the BLM riots and the one two-hour January 6th riot when it comes to COVID. The headlines about the BLM riots, which were widespread for months, says it is unlikely that uh, Black Lives Matter protests aided in the spread of COVID. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the headline about the January 6th story from the exact same publication, which I believe was a Washington... uh, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was now. Maybe... Washington Post, maybe? I don't remember. One of those. Anyway, it was the exact same company. I could look at the article, but I'd have to find it. But the other headline for the January 6th says, January 6th, likely a super spreader event. Like this one two-hour thing, super spreader event that probably messed up all of Washington, D.C. with COVID. But months and months of unregulated riots probably didn't have any effect. How can that be true? One of them is true, but the other one has to be false. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They are either both super spreader events or they're both not because it is impossible that one two hour thing with very few people comparatively to the large gatherings of unmasked, unsocially distant people throughout months during the hottest parts of the spread of COVID had nothing to do with more spread in these areas. It's just not possible. It seems though that lately, just in these last two months, that news news companies, news organizations are dropping the charade altogether. Because we're living in a time that it's so easy to go back and check these things. And it's so easy to compare what they said a year ago to what they're saying now mm-hmm. is fact. Mm-hmm. And yet they will double down and say, no, the latest thing that I've heard is that the, the, they're claiming the news is claiming that it's been Republicans that have been calling for the defunding of police. Do you remember this? Like, we all experienced it. Mm-hmm. We were all there yeah. a year ago mm-hmm. when it was the only cry of the Democratic side, not the Republican side, to defund the police. We have video upon video, upon interview, upon article, upon people actually on the floor of Congress calling for the defunding of police in different cities and areas around America, even at large as a whole nationwide movement. And news media is just carrying the water of saying, no, it was Republicans who said all that stuff. Like, what do we do? It is very disheartening. Mm -hmm. And again, I do apologize. It is leaning one way in what we're talking about here, but it's only because that's been the most of it for the last five years because the Democrats haven't been in power until now uh, during these last five years. But the same thing happens uh, when things reverse. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens from more uh, right-leaning news sources during times when Democrats are in charge. 
uh, the same things go go crazy. There's there's a lot of news articles going crazy over Joe Biden stuff, uh, in, in making implications about things that are kind of wildly speculative, and trying to present them as fact. And uh, like this this happens with every president and with every side, but the media is supposed to be coming from a a viewpoint of here are the facts, mm-hmm. you make the decision on what you believe. And it is becoming harder and harder to find unbiased news. Do you think it's even possible? I don't. <laughs> I really don't. And I've, I'm to the point to where I legitimately feel nauseous over the reality of where we are and what we're living in it. And as you've been reading and as you've been talking, I've been processing it and thinking it all over and trying to kind of come to some sort of conclusion. And I mean, aside from the Sunday school answer of this is the world we live in, (laughs) you know, um, it, uh, I almost feel like, and those of you who have followed the show for a while, you'll know that my biggest complaint with football is the lack of accountability for the refs. Mm. To me, this is a lot like that. There is a lack of accountability for things that are published and stated and presented as fact. And when it's proven or misproven, if you will, proven to be false disproven yeah (laughs) thank you (laughs) there is no accountability it's just written off Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal i can remember growing up and it being driven into us when we would do research papers during school that we needed to cite our sources Mm -hmm. and that if we were going to write a piece and present it as fact we better make sure that it's fact we need to do the research we need to figure it out if we're going to write an opinion piece, that's absolutely fine, but state it as an opinion. Mm-hmm. Where has that gone? Where is, where's the accountability? Why are we not holding people to a standard for the things that they're saying? And it, it n- I think the problem is even greater than whether or not we can trust the media, because at this point, we can't. I don't think that we're ever going to be able to come back and believe with 100% certainty what we hear or read through the news. But this is an issue between our neighbors. Mm -hmm. It has become so easy for people to claim truths about another person that aren't true. Whatever happened to defamation of character? Right. Yeah. I'm liable and slander. Yeah. Yeah. There are these things that we as children grew up knowing you couldn't do that. You can't go around spreading rumor, not because it's mean, but because it's illegal. Right. You're going to be held responsible for the things that you say. What happened to that? Where did that go? 
why are we not holding people responsible anymore for the things that they say? Mm-hmm. One of the most, um, one of the most disgusting examples of that, of what you're just saying, is a case where someone was being held responsible and they still doubled down on it. And it was talked about in here, in that list. It was the, the Catholic school boys who the, the, the Indian protester guy got up in their face. Mm-hmm. What the news story was essentially posted as these kids were harassing him mm-hmm. and getting in their face and giving them a smug smile. Yeah. And really, the boy was like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Okay, I'll just let him finish and I'll leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was trying to be respectful as much as he could be with somebody in his face uh, being disrespectful to him by basically just taking it. Mm-hmm. Like the kid did the right thing, but because he was wearing a MAGA hat, <laughs> it was reported the complete opposite of what was happening. Mm-hmm. And that kid was able to sue CNN for exactly that. I don't yeah. remember if it's libel or slander, whichever one actually applies here, but... Uh, he was able to sue and successfully. Uh, several million dollars or whatever went to him. I think I, I I don't know if this is the exact number, but what's popping in my head is thirty, thirty million dollars. And CNN host Brian Stelter basically doubled down and saying, "No, this kid's a scumbag," and, we're, and sure we had to pay him quote unquote nuisance money to get him off of our case, but essentially saying they did nothing wrong. Yeah. Even when the court case went against them, proved that they did do something wrong. They're like, no, nah, it's nuisance money. Whatever. We'll continue on doing what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Mm-hmm. How can you be this way? Why are you like this? <laughs> I don't understand. And honestly, Because that, that proves it was not a misunderstanding. That proves that there was no way they misunderstood what was happening. Mm-hmm. Sorry. What were you no, you're fine. I was just going to say, honestly... If, if all of this doesn't rile you up, if all of this doesn't at least make you uneasy, take into account that every single time we just let one of these things go without the blink of an eye, without thinking twice about it, that is a person whose life is deemed invaluable. It may be just something that we shrug off as a society because it's not hitting close to home. We don't personally know these people. We don't personally know, you know, it's bigger America, if you will. Mm-hmm. And most of us are small town America. It doesn't hit quite as hard. But it's still human life. Yeah. And it's us allowing a truth or a rumor or something that we feel in in our heart or our spirit to be right as opposed to that person mm-hmm. that human person yeah it's changing the way we also just treat each other in general yes. when we disagree mm-hmm. like i remember when i was a kid people disagreed politically but they still got along for the most part Like, you could have a disagreement and you could even argue about it. But at the end of the day, you know, you have your own reasons. People can disagree and still be considered good people. Mm -hmm. 
in the 35 years that we've, 30, almost 36 years that I've been alive, that has shifted from a peaceful coexistence with disagreements to not only is the other side of the aisle wrong, but they're evil because of how they think and act. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from both sides. It's not they're wrong, it's that they're evil people. Yeah. How can we go so hard in that direction? How can we go from, yeah, we have disagreements and there's a reason why we think that differently on this point and we should come to understand each other as to why we think that way to kind of come to some sort of uh, middle ground here to to make concessions, to make compromises, to there's no way I will ever concede anything to those people because they're evil for one reason or another. That's just, we're living in a very dangerous societal mm -hmm. time. I really feel like it, it is a slippery slope. That I'm not sure we could come back from. No. I, 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 this is the kind of, the, the fact that we have social media websites creating our news for us, catering our news for us, censoring our news for us. And everybody is just like, yeah, that makes sense. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody's got to curb the misinformation. Why do they get to decide what's misinformation and what's not? How would they know? And how would you know it was based on any kind of fact and not an agenda? Mm hmm and conservatives complained that, you know, Facebook and Twitter were too left-leaning. And the response is always, well, create your own space. And so they did last year. They had Parler. Mm -hmm. And what did they do? They shut the thing down. Parler, which is just like Twitter, but with less censorship when it comes to politics was taken down from app stores, and even the, the hosting site that allowed it to exist revoked its existence just because people were starting to use it to interact with and find news sources that were being censored elsewhere. That's nanny state, Orwellian, like dictatorship country kind of scary. That's North Korea scary. That's China scary. And we're fine with it as long as it agrees with our side. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there might not be a way back for the news. Don't tune out yet. We're not done. After the break, we'll discuss how we can be more responsible in consuming the news. Stick around. Walls or bridges? Believe it or not, every day we're building one of two things, walls or bridges. 
In our relationships and with the people we encounter, our interactions and the words we choose are important, probably far more important than we care to realize. It's no secret that the person we are today is different from the person we were a year ago or 10 years ago. As is the same, the Christian we are today is not the same as the one we once were. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, our convictions grow. Things we once found acceptable may now be non-negotiable for us. But let us not forget that as we grow and our personal convictions are growing, those around us probably are not growing at the same pace. After all, our relationship with God is individual and unique. So of course, there will be times where our convictions are as well. When you find yourself in conversation with someone about the God who loves them enough to pay the penance for their sin once and for all, be cautious to not place condemnation where empathy should be. As we share our hearts with those around us, our stance should always be one that allows for others to cross over into the same forgiveness we've accepted. When we make bold, defined lines around our relationship with Christ, it makes it more difficult for non-believers to find their way over. Sometimes, without even realizing it, we seclude ourselves from the very people who need us or who we need most. Be aware of your words, aware of your personal convictions, and aware of the structure you're building. Are you building a wall around yourself, making it impossible for others to access grace? Or are you building a bridge for them to cross through into everlasting life? Have you ever been around another person who used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain that you should know, but you didn't? Well, of course you have. Hey, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new, and this will be useful. Not like that throwaway knowledge like math or science. This is the real world, bub, and you need to be able to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up a chair and pay attention, because LTN's got another nerdy definition for you. This week's nerdy definition is Discord. Classified as a VoIP or voice over IP, instant messaging and digital distribution platform, Discord is a program available on Windows, macOS, Android, iOS, Linux, and web browsers that is specifically designed to help you create and develop community. Though it is now a heavily relied upon property for the gaming community, Discord had no target demographic when it was released to the public in May of 2015. It took absolutely no time at all for the gamers to flock to Discord, abandoning their other programs like TeamSpeak, Ventrilo, and IRC in the process. Discord had found its niche in gamers. You'd be hard-pressed to find a streamer, YouTuber, publisher, or developer without a Discord server, and some would even say that they use it as their primary means of communication. And when you've used it to its full potential, it really is easy to see why it appeals to more than a gaming audience and why in March of 2020, Discord changed its motto from chat for gamers to chat for communities and friends in an effort to appeal to a wider user base. Now we at Love Thy Nerd do have a Discord server that you can join just by heading over to lovethynerd.com discord. 
We also have several resources on our website that will help you better understand what Discord is and how to use it. Simply head on over to our website at lovethynerd.com and search for Discord. So, the next time someone asks you to join a sweet Discord server that they know about, you can smile and nod at that nerd because, well, you understand that reference. back to the Backrow Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. There's a lot going on in our Discord, backrowdiscord.com, where you get to chat after the show, share your own show ideas, keep up to date with our Twitch and YouTube, be part of the radio shows, and also see behind the scenes workings of Backrow games, including Sunday School Answers. The folks in our Discord already know that what the expansion packs we're hoping to release every month for the next year. Again, go to backrowdiscord.com and join. <laughs> It'll what, make more sense packs? when you're there. <laughs> I promise. Now, let's get back to the final part of our story where we're going to be discussing how we can be better consumers of news. How do we, as citizens and as believers, read the news? So we, we don't. <laughs> That's it. Just turn it off. I think Chris said like 10 years ago. I don't watch the news. Right. It's depressing. And everybody's like, no, you got to watch the news. You got to know what's happening. How will you be informed? Yeah. Listen, yes. I don't think my husband has ever said anything that was more wisdomous in all of his life. <laughs> well, I have got a, a list here of 10 things we can do to be better uh, 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 consumers of, of media information. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna read through them all and kind of discuss them. Uh, and this is our personal list. We have made this list. This is not from some other uh, 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 source. What? So we're gonna discuss it. <laughs> Number one: avoid twenty-four hour news. Do not have CNN, Fox, MSNBC, or any other news source playing in the background of your life. In fact, avoid these channels altogether. 24-hour news channels have to be able to fill those 24 hours, and what they usually choose to fill it with is 90% commentary and 10% news. Okay. You think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, it's kind of what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Disable push notifications on your phone for news stories. Mm -hmm. It is so easy to get that little bloop. Yep. Google, hey, look, look what's going on in Washington right now. And you're like, well, I need to know right now if it's this important that they pushed it to my phone. Avoid that. Yeah. Or just like we said on Monday, Monday, Monday. You only read the headline. That's true. Yeah. You likely will only yeah. read the headline. But the, 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 the crux of that really is don't let the news come to you. Mm. You need to go searching for the news. So if you have it, uh, with number one, if you have it always on in the background, if you just let it play for noise or whatever uh, until you hear something that interests you. That's the news coming to you. That's them presenting what they want you to hear. If you're getting push notifications on your phone, it's the exact same thing. They're putting what they want you to read in your pocket. And so you're more likely to read it. Even if it's just the headline, you're already going to have your mind made up about something that you might not have even thought about or cared about until that moment. Number three, sit down and figure it out. Maybe even write it down. What level of news is going to make you feel suitably informed without driving you insane? 
Like I'm talking about how much time you're going to spend looking at news and uh, what sources and all these kind of things. And we'll, we'll kind of get in more specific details about that. But actually make a plan just like you would any other thing in your life that you want to succeed in. Make a plan. Mm. Don't allow yourself to just be bombarded by news all the time as it comes up. Make a plan as how much you want to put in your mind on a daily or weekly basis. Mm -hmm. So number four. Now, this one's a big one. And this one will linger on for a bit. Choose your news sources. So I'm going to go through a quick list here of news sources and their political leanings. And this comes from uh, LV, or sorry, LWV.org. Uh, the, well, it's, it comes from this site I'll have the link for this site, but it's actually the all sides media bias chart. So it's actually coming from a different site, mm -hmm. but this is the article that I found it on. Uh, so this is basically a lot of the, the more popular news sources and where they lean politically. There are five columns. There's far left, lean left, center, lean right, and far right. Mm-hmm. And by far left and far right, we're not talking about like fringe left and fringe right weirdos. We're, we're just talking about ones that are pretty clearly Democrat and pretty clearly Republican. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here we go. We'll start with, uh, we'll start with the ones that are the most centrist and the least affected by politics or other agendas, not completely without bias, because that'll happen in any uh, news source, but generally speaking, typically centrist. So first off, normal AP news. And the, some of these are separated from uh, the news section and the opinion section of certain places, and they're in different columns. Uh, so like AP politics and fact check, those actually lean left, and that's in the lean left column. But typical, just straight AP news, that's centrist. Axios, the BBC, the Christian Science Monitor, the Independent Journal Review, Market Watch, Newsweek, NPR News, Reuters, Real Clear Politics, The Hill, and The Wall Street Journal News. Those are all generally bias-free for the most part. <clears throat> Again, not guaranteed 100%, but for the most part. Next in this list of sources that lean left or lean right. Uh, but aren't outright hardlined in one side. It's often sources like this that can be beneficial in seeing a certain perspective from a restrained point of view, though again, it is not flawless. Uh, first, we'll start with the ones that lean left. ABC News, AP Politics and Fact Check, The Atlantic, Bloomberg, CBS, The Economist, The Guardian, NBC, The New York Times News, NPR Opinion, Politico, ProPublica, Time, The Washington Post, USA Today, and Yahoo News. And now the ones that lean right, but are not stringently right news organizations. The American Conservative, uh, Deseret News, The Dispatch, The Epic Times, Newsmax News, New York Post News, The Post Millennial, Reason, The Wall Street Journal Opinion Section, the Examiner, and The Washington Times. All right. There we go. We're, we're going just, we're bobbling just a little bit from center in both of those. A little bit of that, a little bit of right. 
Now, finally, we have the sources that are hard left and hard right, organizations that are either open about their political leanings and agendas or have been shown to lean to one side far more often than not. First, the, uh, the hardline leftist sides. Alternet, BuzzFeed News, CNN, Democracy Now!, Daily Beast, HuffPost, The Intercept, or The Intercept, Jacobin, Mother Jones, MSNBC, The New Yorker, The New York Times Opinion, uh, The Nation, Slate, and Vox. And now the ones that lean hard to the right, The American Spectator, Breitbart, The Blaze, CBN, The Daily Caller, The Daily Mail, The Daily Wire, Fox News, Federalist, National Review, New York Post Opinion, Newsmax Opinion, and OAN. All right, there we go. Mm -hmm. That's most of the news sources that you've heard about, probably several that you've never heard of. (laughs) Unless you're just really into news. I didn't hear the place where I get all my news from. Where do you get your news from? The Bee. (laughs) The Babylon Bee. (laughs) Or not the Bee. Or not the Bee. The Bee or not the Bee. That is the question. Uh, Mm. All right. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Know your news sources. Mm-hmm. Now you know. <laughs> so jumping from that into number five, self-balance your news. Many biased news sources say that their news is balanced. They are all lying. <laughs> <laughs> Using that list, which we will put the, the link to that list in, in the link section of our post for this episode or this week's episode at lovethynerd.com. Uh, it, it comes toward the end of the week. If you follow our socials, you'll see it a lot. Uh, you should attempt to balance your news ingestion. If you pick a news source that is uh, in the left-leaning column, you should directly follow up with coverage of the same story from a right-leaning news source. If you follow a story from a far-right news source, you should see what the source from the far left is saying about it, too. Weigh all the options and judge for yourself. And do your best to not let your own personal bias decide before you even give the opposing side a chance. The good news is there are some sources out there helping you do this uh, already. First, uh, the same company that comes up with this chart, uh, allsides.com, presents news stories from all sides, labeling each headline with its political leaning from the get. Secondly, for balanced commentary on most important topics of the week, we would encourage you to sign up for The Flip Side. It's a political email newsletter that gives quotes and takes on a single topic from both sides at least three times a week. And thirdly, and this is my personal recommendation for believers, I recommend The Pour Over. Uh, From my experience, this source almost always presents top stories free of bias and opinion and often often provides scripture based on stories to help us as Christians react biblically instead of reacting irrationally or emotionally. The links to all of these will be in our lovethynerd.com episode post as well. (sighs) Mm -hmm. Thoughts, opinions? I'm reading a whole lot of stuff. Oh, no. No disagree with everything <laughs> or opinions. No, I agree with everything. That's right, why right. I have no nothing to add or say. <laughs> All right. Number six, avoid sites that present headlines and trends. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter are terrible places to get news because they are surrounded by hundreds and thousands of comments from people who odds are haven't even read the story. Just the headline. I'll hey, remind you. Say that again real quick. Just that first part. <laughs> The avoid 
Facebook and Facebook Twitter, and Twitter are, are terrible, terrible places, places to, get, to get your news. I'll remind you of the shocking stat that we shared in our discussion on Subway. Almost 60% of news articles are shared without actually being read first. This often leads to what's known as doom scrolling, where you dive deeper into toxic presentations of news, filling you with dread or outrage when either, uh, neither is necessarily an appropriate response without all the facts. Mm -hmm. uh, number seven. Avoid reading first thing in the morning or last thing at night. Mm. You do not think clearly during these times. You will not read rationally, and it can ruin your day or your night's sleep. Set a specific time during the day for you to check the news in a responsible way. Number eight, avoid far right, and I mean far, far right, and far, far left news sources. If your website is heavy on the Antifa or the QAnon, there's absolutely zero chance of getting unbiased news. And in fact, much of it is likely heavily fabricated nonsense disguised as social theory. Remember, a truly unbiased news is nearly extinct. Everybody is pushing an agenda to some degree. So search for the news sources with the least amount. <laughs> mm -hmm. Number nine, pray before reacting. This is especially true when you react by sharing outrage online or at church or at school or with friends. Mm -hmm. Pray about how you're supposed to respond to things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Again, that's why I wanted to recommend the pour over. Pour over can present news that is quite emotionally jarring, but it often tries to put it a little bit in perspective with a specific Bible verse uh, that will help you gear your mind toward how you should react. And it'll often help you just focus on what you should be doing as opposed to how you want to vent your rage. Prayer is a good way to do that. And lastly, number 10, limit your intake. And believe it or not, you just as, as you said with your husband, <laughs> you can survive pretty well remaining uninformed by today's standards. Most news that riles people up is stuff that won't ever really come to pass or there's nothing we can do about anyway. What good is it to worry and fret and be anxious over things that you can't control? If you find yourself in a news spiral, limit yourself to like 10 minutes a day or an hour a week at most to news consumption. Uh, I've gotten to the point where unless it's researching for this show, uh, I have basically three places that I visit. Uh, I do it middle of the morning and I move on with my life. I mm -hmm. don't, I don't linger on things for too terribly long unless it's again, a research thing for the show. Uh, it's, um, it's hard. And we've talked about this. We talked about this in the, in our last topic and it's, it's hard to not be depressed by the state of our news media, it's hard to stay in a positive frame of mind when we're constantly being bombarded by things that we don't even know if we can trust anymore. Like used to, used to, I feel like even with sources that we thought were biased, we still had like this feeling that, okay, they're leaning a little heavy on the one side or the other. Uh, political aisle, but I'm sure most of the story is true. We used to have that kind of thought, right? And now, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 100% unknown if this is true, if it is 
uh, 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 political bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> if this is true now, but then That's they're going to the change their mind in 10 years. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> uh, like, uh, we used to be able to go to Snopes and trust what they're saying. Right. And even Snopes now is heavily politically biased. Yeah. Which is, you can't trust anything anymore. Yeah. It really feels frightening. It really feels frightening. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if just, you got to work to do better to not go crazy. If for no other reason, do these things so you don't go crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all have people in our lives that 10 years ago could have cared less about the news, never wanted to talk about it. And today, all they spout is conspiracy theories that they've garnered from the news. That's all they talk about. I have several people in my life who are just like that now. Uh, many of them in my church, and I can't avoid them. And it's because they've allowed themselves to doom scroll. They've allowed themselves to be in this constant spiral of news from a one-sided source, and they allow that to be the driving force behind how they react in society and what they want to talk about. We used to talk about so many fun things in this life. Now all we talk about is the latest scary crap going on in the news. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I, the, the, the last time I remember talking this much about scary crap in the news was 9-11. And back then, we all wanted to be Americans. You know, we, we wanted to be one country. Now we don't want to be one country. Yeah. And that's terrifying to hear about every single day nonstop. Mm -hmm. Take a break. Mm -hmm. Turn it off. Walk away. Go watch a Purge movie. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I think there's a mindset of, I can't turn it off. I have to be informed. I yeah. have to know for, my for the sake of my family and for the sake of my future. Guess what? You don't. You don't have to know. Yeah. The same because, people. I'm sorry. Finish your thought no, first. There's one person who does know. And I trust him more than anyone on this planet. He knows. And Al Gore. Regardless no, of I'm how sorry. terrifying or scary <laughs> it may look, why do you got to ruin I'm this sorry. thing? <laughs> we need humor. These topics have been so heavy. <laughs> well, I'm giving hope. Okay. Maybe not humor. Humor. Gosh. Humor. I got the humor. You do the hope part. Now. Regardless of how terrifying or scary things may seem. We can trust that we're protected. Yeah. We're safe in the hands of God. Absolutely. And it's, it is the same thing. Those, those are the same people who look at worry as a positive thing. Right. Like, well, I need to worry about my future and I need to worry about my kids because that, that keeps me on my toes and it keeps me focused on what's going to happen. Well, okay, there's an element of truth to that, but... When all you're doing is worrying, you're not doing anything. Exactly. You're not doing anything but wasting time and not trusting God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All worry is a form of not trusting God enough. Whatever you're worrying about, most likely you can't do anything about anyway. If it were to happen, it's not going to be on uh, uh, your decision <laughs> whether it happens or not. So, yeah, you can worry up and down all day long. But it's not going to change anything other than the fact that it makes you miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 
trust in the only one who knows and the only one who can actually affect any outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're worrying, <clears throat> chances are you're not walking in faith. Yeah. And if you are consuming or allowing the news to consume you, I should say, chances are your love for others is growing less and less. Absolutely. And I mean, last I checked, faith of a mustard seed and love thy neighbor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And th- that's kind of what we touched on yesterday. It's, it's making us uh, hate the other side. Mm-hmm. Whichever side you're on. The news is is almost encouraging you to not just disagree with the other side, but to consider them evil and worthy of hate. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I'm talking to believers here. It doesn't matter how strong your faith is. If that's all you're putting in your brain is how much you need to fight that enemy. Then you're forgetting the love your enemy mm-hmm. call that Jesus gave. Yep. And. It's very easy to fall into that habit because what you're fighting for might be, you know, a biblical thing that's righteous, but how you're fighting it is is the wrong way. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be this guy that does this to, to, to says that says this to believers, but don't expect things to get better. I mean, they might rebound a little bit. Times have gotten a little bit better at different points in time. Mm-hmm. Society has rebounded in positive ways for a short period of time. I mean, we used to have slaves in this country. And society got better from that for a little while. But in the end... Everything that's going on on this planet is going to devolve. Everything that's happening on this planet is going to lean in one direction. I'm not talking about a political leaning. I'm not talking about liberal or conservative. I'm talking about the end of the world. (laughs) Everything's going to lead towards destruction. And that can come from both sides of the political aisle. And it can come from Christians and non-Christians, depending on how we are acting. There are so many people who consider themselves believers and Christians who become Pharisees, who become more entangled in the world and its ways than in God's way. Mm -hmm. And it happens every day, little by little, more and more. And so you need to, again, like Mo said, trust in God to take care of all this stuff. Do your best to live peaceably with all people, to give calm responses to anger so it will diffuse that anger, to stand up for what's right, of course, but not in a way that spreads hate, mm-hmm. instead in a way that spreads love. Be ready to defend why you believe the way you believe but not in a offensive way, in a defensive way. Do the thing that I've always said is that if you feel yourself spitting out Bible verses, like bile on your tongue, you're doing it wrong. 
if you are yelling God's commands at people in anger, you're doing it wrong. Most people believe in a thing called righteous anger. And that may or may not be a thing. I don't actually believe that there's such a thing as righteous anger that a human can do. Mm -hmm. I believe that righteous anger can only come from someone who is righteous and there is no earthly human that is righteous. Jesus was able to get angry because he was righteous. He had never sinned. He was able to turn the tables. He was able to chase out people who were defiling God's house. We are imperfect. We are unrighteous. And so whether or not there is such a thing as righteous anger, you know, that's another, another discussion for another time. But I would say even if it did exist, it's rarely done correctly. Mm-hmm. It's mostly just anger. When my boys were little, I would tell them, it's okay to be angry. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Our emotions are given from God. Yeah. God is an emotion full God yeah. an emotional God. It says it clearly in the yeah. Bible repeatedly. It's okay to be angry. It is not okay to sin in our anger. Right. And I mean, at three and four years old, trying to teach my toddlers that it's not okay to hit each other. It's not okay to take your toy back from your brother, whether you think it's justified or not. It's not okay to sock your brother in the face because he looked at you wrong. <laughs> yeah. But that's a lesson that as adults, we need to remember. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to sin in our anger. Right. And even, I, w- I would go as far to say it's not okay to act in our anger mm-hmm. at all. Because you don't know the full situation. Because that's the other thing about righteous anger. Jesus could act out that way and God can act out that way because they can see the entirety of the situation, not only in that moment, but throughout time. Mm -hmm. You are reacting to often just a single incident or piece of information without being able to see the scope of the whole story or the person that you're even acting upon. Mm -hmm. And so who knows if you're actually going to be doing good or in the long run, making things worse. Mm-hmm. with your with your actions and your anger. It's just a dangerous game to play. And living your life with a constant stream of news sources, fueling that anger is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Irresponsible. Unholy. You're doing yourself more harm than you are good. Absolutely. And that's all I got to say on the matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And believe me when I say that this is not just us lecturing people. This is us giving you all the wisdom we've learned from making all of these exact same mistakes for most of our lives. And continuing <laughs> and to still, remind ourselves. <laughs> still making these exact same mistakes most of the time. Exactly. These are things that we all want to do better, to be better, to learn and train ourselves better. Mm -hmm. So we invite you to try this with us. (laughs) That's going to do it for uh, our week of focus on the news media. We're going to take one more break. When we get back, we'll share some things that we love.
Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai, and this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So last week, I spent about five hours in line at a Comic-Con to get the autograph of the voice actress for Ahsoka Tano. My kids and I waited in line and, you know, went no complaints. It was a cool experience. Just took a while. Well, while we were there, right beside the voice actress for Ahsoka was the voice actor for Anakin Skywalker from Clone Wars, and right beside him was Giancarlo Esposito, who is, if you're familiar with shows like Breaking Bad, Gustavo Fring. Or if you've only seen Mandalorian, he's Moff Gideon. Or if you've watched cinema of really any kind for the last 40 years, he's in a lot of things. And in a lot of times, he's a bad guy. And um, I've, in just in a fictional state, seen this dude do some some rough things. And uh, so as we were standing in line, you know, he would have some quiet conversations with people and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden, he would just burst out in a loud violent speech of some sort a monologue a quote of something uh and he would sound menacing and vicious and wicked and because i've seen this dude do some horrendous things in fiction it literally like gave me chills you know i'd be sitting there talking with my kids you know just having a good time and then hear like one of the coolest villains ever start yelling it freaked me out and one of the things that it really left me with is gentleness is an important thing because even though he was a total sweetheart and a very cool individual to hang out with when he wasn't using his nice voice it scared me and it reminded me that as believers we need to actually make sure that whatever we're delivering we deliver with the appropriate amount of gentleness colossians 3:12 says therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience because i'm gonna tell you i still kind of get like goosebumps when i see gus's face now we shouldn't do that to other people remember to catch faith and fandom 180 every wednesday morning on the back row morning show only on ltn radio and if you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our comic-con ministry podcasts memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. This week in nerd history, computing becomes personal. Prior to the 1980s, IBM had largely been known as a provider of business computer systems. As the 1980s opened, their market share in the growing mini-computer market failed to keep up with competitors, while other manufacturers were beginning to see impressive profits in the microcomputer space. The market for personal computers was dominated at the time by Tandy, Commodore, and Apple, whose machines sold for several hundred dollars each and had become very popular. The microcomputer market was large enough for IBM's attention. IBM had previously produced microcomputers such as the 1975 IBM 5100, but targeted them towards businesses. The 5100 had a price tag as high as $20,000, far outside a standard home's budget. 
The design process was kept under a policy of strict secrecy, with none of the other IBM divisions knowing what was going on. After settling on the Intel 8088 CPU to build around, the motherboard was designed in just 40 days. A working prototype was created in four months and demoed in January of 1981. Manufacturing began that April, and on August 12, 1981, IBM debuted the first PC, selling for $1,565. Reception was overwhelmingly positive, with sales estimates from analysts suggesting billions of dollars in sales over the next few years, and the IBM PC immediately became the talk of the entire computing industry. Dealers were overwhelmed with orders, including customers offering prepayment for machines with no guaranteed delivery date. By the time the machine was shipping, the term PC was becoming a household name. Sales exceeded IBM's expectations by as much as 800%, shipping 40,000 PCs a month at one point. However, almost as soon as the PC reached the market, rumors of clones began, and the first PC-compatible clone was released in June of 1982, less than a year after the PC's debut. Because the IBM PC was based on commodity hardware rather than unique IBM components, and because its operation was extensively documented by IBM, creating machines that were fully compatible with the PC offered few challenges challenges other than the creation of a compatible BIOS ROM. Simple duplication of the IBM PC BIOS was a direct violation of copyright law, but soon into the PC's life, the BIOS was reverse engineered by companies like Compaq, Phoenix Software Associates, America Megatrends, and Award, who either built their own computers that could run the same software and use the same expansion hardware as the PC, or sold their BIOS code to other manufacturers who wished to build their own machines. The clone market eventually became so large that it lost its association with IBM's original, and the term PC became a set of de facto standards established by various hardware manufacturers. But for more than a year, IBM was the king of the PC and is largely credited for the idea of having a computer in your home. Think of where we'd be without it. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more the background morning show as things are winding down for the day but first we wanted to share some things that we love go ahead so last week i said that the next couple weeks oh movies would be yeah. movies that i had recently watched and you and know cared about <laughs> in keeping with um our topic for the day uh <laughs> the forever purge <laughs> <laughs> um so i in our family, we do not watch scary movies or horror movies until the month of October. It's kind of a tradition that we do. Just do it in October. Uh-huh. And we like cram it all in. I couldn't think of the word. Cram it all in in one month. But, but. I love the Purge movies. Always have. I don't know really what it is about them. I like. I kind of like the idea behind it. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for just getting you know, some killing done, 24 hours. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I don't know. I really, really do enjoy this twist on reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have never actually seen a Purge movie in theater oh. because we wait until October to watch <laughs> them. Um, but, you know, with 2020 and COVID and not being able to go to a theater and the purge or the forever purge coming out in theaters last month, I said, you know what? Forget our rule. I was watching Christmas movies in October last year anyway. So why not watch a scary movie in July in theaters? 
and it was amazing. <laughs> um, we were the only ones in the movie theater except for one other guy. And I think I told you that this like incited anxiety <laughs> on me during the movie thinking that oh my gosh he like nothing is stopping him right now from standing up and killing all five of us and no one would know ever until they came in to clean it all up (laughs) (laughs) but just the experience of seeing the movie in theater of course that always makes pretty much every movie better yeah but the forever purge has such a good story behind it yeah I loved it. Loved it. So I I hate scary movies. I hate gory movies. I hate all those kind of things. Horror in general. Most thrillers when it comes to like fear induced thrillers. Mm-hmm. Like a political th- thriller. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I hate them all. Aside from two franchises. One is Scream because they're funny. Mm-hmm. The other one, for some reason, is the Purge series. I know. I don't like agree with any of the weird ideology or whatever that's going on in these. Uh, I don't like the idea <laughs> of that being a real thing. But there's just something about those movies. They're so... They have the feel of a cheesy horror movie. You know, a crappy horror movie mm-hmm. that comes out every you know mm-hmm. every year in a thousand different ways. But the, you're right; it's the storylines are just so well put together mm-hmm. in a weird kind of um, alternate reality, mm-hmm. you know, world. Just that first one. The first one was a, a bottle episode, essentially. Like it was just focused around essentially one family, mm-hmm. and they just kept growing into what this would be like in all other sectors of society. Even the show that came out for a while. Yeah. That touched on so many more things that I never thought about. Like, like they, they, I remember they had like an ambulance, they had ambulances going around and they talked about how, uh, yeah, there's just an unspoken agreement that, that, that purge people don't mess with the, with the, the healthcare people that are out there trying to save some of the people's lives. Mm -hmm. Like that's weird. And cool. And what happens when there's somebody who's like, I don't care. And they're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they examine all this kind of stuff. Like, it was just, it's it's such a, a compelling story. I have not watched the new one. Uh, I definitely would not watch it in theaters because I would wet myself. Because uh, I'm a weenie when it comes to horror movies. But I, 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 Deidre and I were at the movie theater at the same time you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbeknownst to, to each other. Uh-huh. And uh, we were seeing uh, Black Widow, which was great. Um, and I remember we were leaving the theater, and I saw the poster outside for the Forever Purge, and, and I told, I said to Deidre, oh, man, there's another Purge movie I'm going to have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? I'm like, I have to watch it. Like, for what? For LTN? I'm like, no, I just... I, I can't not watch it, yeah. but I don't want to watch it, I've but, seen I, every but, other I, but one. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, and coming from a super cheesy perspective, I especially loved that this one, without giving any spoilers, this purge takes three separate cultures and they work together for the better huh. of everyone. Interesting. So coming off of 2020... 
that is what we need. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's we'll just inspirational purge movie. We do. <laughs> We do. I mean, is there anything more representative? For real. Of our culture right I now. I don't think there is. And the need for... <laughs> I mean... A culturally inspiring Think about movie. it. For real. Uh, all right. Well, I'm looking forward to it and not looking forward to it. Equally. Oh, it's good. It's so good. My thing that I love is uh, the LTN Arcade. Uh, we just had this this past Saturday. We usually have it the first Saturday of every month, and, and it's very simple. We schedule a whole bunch of games to play online with people. Mm -hmm. uh, there's usually a whole day's worth, sometimes multiple different uh, games going on at the same time, uh, where you just register to play some of them. And they range widely uh, from casual games like... Uh, code names or or garlic phone or or uh what's that word what's that game that y'all played the other day with your family ticket to ride no the the jack apples box to game. apples the jack no. box game oh quiplash quiplash that's what i'm talking about yeah we play a lot of games um they range from that all the way up to like destiny 2 or they'll they'll do an online D, D campaign sometimes they're like reading books together we're gonna i'm hosting a, a round of among us which is going to be like half of our normal among us group and half people that have never played with us before and that's going to be a blast uh it's 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 just a lot of fun yeah. and uh the games change you know every time and uh you just get to hang out basically all day online with with your friends playing games it's one of the the better experiences uh, of my life. <laughs> so the next one should be here. Let me look it up on the calendar. The next one should be happening on the 5th of September. No, I'm sorry. 4th mm -hmm. of September, the 4th of September, Saturday, the 4th. Uh, so holiday weekend. Are they still going to do it? Is that a that? holiday weekend? Yeah, okay. It's if it's a holiday Day. weekend, it might be the 11th. I don't know, but you can check. That's uh, also a holiday. Check on, well, dang it. It is. <laughs> I don't know when they're going to do it, but, uh, go to love slash arcade, uh, around those times and you'll find it. Hmm. Uh, or join the discord, love slash discord, because we have a whole section devoted to the arcade and what's coming up and what games are going to be played and even if you want to host a game yourself you can uh so it's it's just a blast it's a blast and it helps you get involved and make new friends new nerdy friends from all around the globe mm -hmm. all right mo let's end with our verse for the day our verse for the day is matthew nineteen twenty six. but jesus looked at them and said with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible and that's going to do it for the back row morning show for this week we hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we look forward to having you join us again next week. Remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, LTNOnAir.com every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our three full shows and our weekly main podcast by searching the Back Row Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. We do uh, we back then. Do it, and we'll love you forever. <laughs> it's been a long, <laughs> lot of topics. We're talking about a lot of heavy things. We're tired now. <laughs> Give us a break. Fact. Make sure you check out lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy, other podcasts and videos, and a lot more. And if you would like to directly support our mission and become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd... 
even specifically with LTN Radio, please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization and your gift is tax deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on the book, the twit, the gram, and the talk. Just search for at the back row LTN. Don't shake your head <laughs> and connect with us. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, nerd. nerd. Come on.